listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Monday show for you. We're going to talk about preseason football. It's here. Remember how I told you there's no such thing as the preseason is the free season when it comes to gambling? There might be an exception to that rule as it continued this past weekend. We're going to talk about Kevin Brown's statement, the broadcaster for the Orioles who came out and finally talked about his suspension, sort of. i got a great baseball stat for you, but a lot of football talk. I'm getting closer to releasing my million-dollar stone-cold lead pipe lock of the century for win totals in the NFL this year. Am I going to bet somebody's over? Am I going to bet somebody's under? I'm getting closer. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's start with preseason football. We had our first weekend of games, full weekend of games, this past weekend, and I do not read too much into preseason football at all. You can tell certain players might have an impact, but I wouldn't say overall teams are going to have much of an impact based on how well they play or how poorly they play in the preseason. Chiefs did not look good yesterday in the first half against the Saints, and that's with Patrick Mahomes starting the game. Do you really think the Chiefs are going to stink this year? Probably not. They've reached the AFC Championship game five years in a row. Um, I think they're going to be pretty good. There's a lot of things you can kind of take away from preseason football. Like here in Dallas – there wasn't much to take away considering basically none of the starters played. First-round pick, Mozzie Smith out of Michigan, got in there a lot, looked halfway decent. You'd be like, okay. But, like I said, can't really make out a lot of what teams are going to do based on what they do in the preseason, but players. And if you saw what Deuce Vaughn did, the running back out of Kansas State, If you saw what he did for Dallas on Saturday, you realize, okay, this guy can absolutely play in the NFL no matter how small he is and make an impact because he's just going to be hard to bring down. If you get him in open space, that's all you're going to need him to do. Is he going to be able to pass block? And if he can't, then when teams know he's in the game, you know he's basically either going to be given the ball or going to be going out for a pattern because I just can't imagine – an outside linebacker rushing in and Deuce Vaughn being able to block him. So maybe that's his deficiency. But the guy has moves galore. He's super fast. And you get him in the open field, that's what football is nowadays. Get it to your playmakers in space and see what they can do. And the Cowboys have never really had anybody like that. And this kid can do it. I don't care how small he is. I'm rooting for him. He's already a fan favorite in Dallas and just one game into the preseason, just showing him juking players at the line of scrimmage, him getting out in the open field. I mean, this is what they got him for. Is he going to be a major contributor? I don't know. Right now, he's like fourth on the depth chart. Tony Pollard is going to start. They've got Ronald Jones who's going to miss the first two games of the season due to some infraction that he had. And they've also got Malik Jones. Uh, They've got Rico Dowdell, and I mean, right now he's fifth, although Ronald Jones is out for the first two games. He's going to get plays, maybe 10 to 15 a game, but 
We'll see. He's never going to be an every down back. He's too small for that. He's not going to get 20 to 25 carries a game. But having him out on the field, throwing him a screen pass, throwing him a pass out in the flat, that's what you want him out there for, to see if he can make guys miss. And he certainly did in game one. But that's about all you can take from these preseason games. You know, you watch Bryce Young play, and the offensive line for Carolina was terrible. Bryce Young got hit three times in two series. I just – he overthrew a couple guys. It's very hard for two series to determine a guy's future. All we know is this. Rookie quarterbacks, for the most part, do not do well in their rookie year where they completely come in and dominate, especially top picks. I think Bren Roethlisberger, Dak Prescott, they've been the exceptions. But these top ten picks that come in and immediately start just – they don't win more than five or six games. And I think that's what we're looking at. I was having this conversation with somebody, and it, it related to baseball, but I think you can take it to any sport. And it's an interesting conversation to have because a lot of us are that are fans of certain teams. See, I'm not while – I, while I cheer for the Lakers and the Dodgers, I'm not a diehard. I don't care. Their losses or wins don't affect my life in any way. They don't affect my mood in any way. Um, would I like the Dodgers to win a World Series again that's not in a 60-game season? Of course. Um, is it frustrating when they don't and they win the NL West every year and then don't win a World Series? Yeah, but it bothers me for maybe five minutes once, the, once they get eliminated, and then I'm kind of over it. But I was having this conversation, and I'm curious to what you guys think, and that is this. Take the Dodgers, for example. They've basically made the playoffs the last 10 years. I think they've won the NL West nine of the 10 years. And the one year they didn't win it, they won 106 games. But San Francisco ended up winning 107 or something like that. So they're in it every year. You can't win a World Series unless you make the playoffs. I know that sounds very simple, but that's the case. You can't win it if you don't even get there and don't even give yourself a chance. So here's my question. Would you rather cheer for a team that makes it every year but seems to fall short versus having a team that never makes it but the one time they do make it, they win it all? I think it's really tough to answer that question because, and, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody who's an Angel fan, and it's like, well, look, now, after 10 years have passed, it's very easy to say, well, the Dodgers won 10 years, but you only won one World Series, and that was during COVID. That's true. And they were trying to say, hey, the end result is the same. You never win the big one. We never win the big one either. I said, but yeah, but you never even get there. You never even give yourself a chance. The Angels haven't made the playoffs since 2015. So I would think you would much rather have a team that makes the playoffs every year <laughs> than one that never does. But what about this? Take the San Francisco Giants, for example. They won three World Series in five years in the early 2010s. I think it was, what, 20? I don't remember the years. 2012, 14, and 16, something like that. They won three World Series in five years. But then you hit rock bottom, and then you're kind of irrelevant. You have one year here that's good. Would you rather have a team that wins three World Series in a span of 10 years and, let's say, never makes the playoffs in any of the other years? 
Or would you rather have a team that wins and makes the playoffs every year and maybe wins once, like the Dodgers? I think that's tough. I think after the fact, after the 10 years have passed, you can easily say, well, I want the team that's won three World Series. But I'm saying going into every season, you don't know the outcome. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying let's say from 2023 right now until 2033. Would you rather take a team that wins one World Series in 10 years but doesn't make the playoffs in any of the other nine or makes the playoffs every single year and wins none? I it, <laughs> It's tough because going into every year, you're like, well, is our team going to be good? You're hoping to make the playoffs. Whereas if you're a Dodger fan, you expect it. You know, I, I think it, it's a tough conversation to have. And – I don't know because, because like I said, you're judging it after the fact. I'd say going into every season, I would rather have a team that I know that's good and expects to be there and at least gives myself a chance versus a team that I don't know if they're any good this year. I hope we make the playoffs. I mean, cross my fingers. That's no fun. You don't want to be a team like that. You want to back a team that's always there, right? You would think so. And same goes for football. Same goes for basketball. Would you rather have a team that has, you know, multiple Super Bowls? I mean, the perfect example would be the New York Giants during the Eli Manning era. They had multiple Super Bowls under him and never won a playoff game outside of those Super Bowl wins. Or you have a team like, well, the Patriots made it and won it enough times, seven times. I'm just trying to think of a team that made the playoffs a lot during that time and has no Super Bowls to show for it. Um, I'd have to look at the stats. But, yeah, would you rather have a team like the Giants who win it twice in a span of, what, five years but never won a playoff game outside of that or have a team that consistently makes the playoffs but just falls short, either in the AFC and NFC Championship or gets to the Super Bowl but loses – Never brings home that title. I don't know. That's tough. So here's one thing we can learn about preseason football. Bet the Baltimore Ravens to win. (laughs) This statistic is mind-boggling. In case you didn't know, the Baltimore Ravens won on Saturday night against the Philadelphia Eagles 20-19. First preseason game of the year for each of them. Not a big deal, right? Well, to the Baltimore Ravens, it is. For whatever reason, this team takes preseason very serious. And I also think it's gotten to a point where they want to keep it going because with that win on Saturday against the Eagles, the Ravens have now won 24 consecutive preseason football games. That's just stupid. They haven't lost in the preseason since 2015. And look, they're doing the same thing that everybody else does. They're playing second and third stringers, so why have they won 24 in a row? I think once it got to a certain point, like I said, they are determined to win these games. They don't want to just be like, oh, well, I think it's kind of a, not a running joke, but like, hey, let's win this. Let's keep this streak going for as long as we can. Winning 24 in a row at anything, in any sport, is a huge deal. To not lose in almost nine years in the preseason, that's crazy to me. Now, this past weekend, they didn't cover. If you're betting the game, they were minus four, minus four and a half. They only won by one. 
However, of those 24 consecutive outright wins, they are 20 and four against the spread. So <laughs> they're almost like a lock to win the game and cover, considering they've covered 20 of 24 of those wins. But it's just an unreal stat. Who wins 24 in a row of anything? Unless you're like, you know, Nikola, Nikola Jokovic. I, I, I called him Nikola Jokovic. Um, Novak Jokovic. Um, I mean, he wins 24 in a row a lot of times. But it's so bizarre. That is an unbelievable stat. 24 in a row. So I guess bet their money line until this streak ends. I mean, you've missed a lot of the streak if you haven't been doing it. And yeah, minus four and a half. They were like over, they were like minus 220 on the money line. But hey, you won. And you would have won 20 since every bets you've made since 2015. It, it's just, it's crazy. It just make it makes no sense. If they were playing their starters the full game, it would make sense. Lamar Jackson never took a snap on Saturday. It was just, uh, what is it, Josh Johnson and uh, Tyler Huntley? That was their quarterbacking. And it's not like they were keeping their starters in longer than the other team. Hell, they were trailing at halftime, 13-10. to 10. I mean, I, I, I can't explain it. I don't think they could explain it. Now, we're going to talk, as we head closer to the season, a lot of over-unders for win totals because that's one of the few future bets I make. I'll always make a future bet on the Super Bowl. I'll always make a future bet uh, on a few teams for win totals for the season. I'm not really big on division, win total, uh, division, you know, winning the division and making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. I mean, those aren't huge to me. I, I really just like season win totals. And you can say, well, Steve, you can't predict who's going to get injured. What if they lose their quarterback in week three? Yeah, that's true. All I can tell you is I've been very good the last three or four seasons of doing win totals in college and pro. College, I've been a little over 50%. Pro, what, I went 7-2 and two last year? So I think I've got a good handle on this stuff because I look at schedules, I look at matchups, and... You know, I kind of look at statistics. I told you last week the statistics about the Jets. Currently, their over-under win total is set for 9.5. So they have to finish 10. If you bet the over, they have to finish 10-7. and seven. They haven't had a winning record more than once since 2011. They've had one winning season since 2011, and now they're asked to be 10-7 and seven for you to win your bet if you want to bet the over. Probably not a smart bet. Doesn't mean they can't. I'm just saying, playing the numbers, playing the percentages on something like that, you would tend to bet the under. Just because 11 of the last 12 years, you would have won their under bet for season win total. Also, Pittsburgh Steelers, another example. Their win total this year is set for 8.5, which means they have to go 9-8 and eight for you to win your bet if you bet the over. Just know this, in all the years that Mike Tomlin has coached the Steelers, I want to say he's in year, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, something like that. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record as head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And with a 17-game schedule, you can't go 500 now. You're either going 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine and eight. That's as close as you can get to 500. 
Well, their win total is set for eight and a half, and Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record as head coach of the Steelers. I mean, going by that math and going by the statistics that have proven out, it's not a short sample size. It's his whole coaching career. Do you think they can finish nine and eight? Do you think he can keep that streak going and finish at least nine and eight? Or for the first time in his coaching history, are the Steelers going to finish under 500 and you bet under eight and a half? thinking they're going to go eight and nine or worse. That one probably tend to lean toward the over. But there's there's so many ways to look at different things. I mean, they are probably in the toughest division. I mean, this is the division of the high-paying quarterbacks. you got Joe Burrow, who's about to sign a huge deal. Deshaun Watson makes $220 million guaranteed. And then you've got, well, you've got the Ravens, the Steelers, who have uh, Kenny Pickett, who hasn't hit big yet. He's only going into his second year. Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Bengals. So you've got Joe Burrow on the Bengals. Steelers have Kenny Pickett. Browns have Deshaun Watson. And the Ravens obviously have Lamar Jackson. It's a tough division. So you figure, I you know, I can't predict what they're going to go in the division, but we know they have six division games, three at home, three, three away. Let's say three and three. Then they got to go, so they have 11 games left, and they got to win six. They got to go six and five in their other 11 games if they go three and three within the division, which I think is possible. Can they go six and five? Can they basically play 500 ball outside of the division? I think it's possible. If I'm leaning away on the Steelers, I'm leaning over. I'm just going to go with a statistic that Mike Tomlin's teams don't finish under 500, and I think they can go nine and eight. I had them over last year. I think it was seven or seven and a half, and I won with them last year. So it's hard to bet against something like that. It would be hard for me to bet a Jets over, knowing that they haven't won, they haven't had an over 500 season only one time in the last 12 years, since 2011. So I've got one, though, that I'm going to, as we get closer to the season, I'm going to give out. I I already know it's my lead pipe billion dollar lock of the century first off nothing's a lock when it comes to sports gambling Uh, don't let anybody fool you otherwise but it's the game and the team that i feel strongly about the most strongly about of and i'll tell and i'll tell you who it is and why i like them so much coming up um in the next couple weeks but just keep some of those statistics in mind when looking at season totals. I know some of you are probably weirded out by season totals because you're like, it's so unpredictable since you're betting it before the season even starts. How do we even know what's going to happen? Well, you don't, but I mean, yes, anytime you place a bet, you're taking a chance. That's why it's called gambling. But trust me, there's some good value there. You know, betting the Lions over last year. I was on the Lions and the Steelers were my two biggest overs last year in season win totals and they both ended up hitting this year. I've got a, a, a team that uh, I really like um, and barring obviously a major injury, which you can't predict. I really like this team to go over. So we'll see. And finally, I want to end with this. This is just a baseball statistic that I saw over the weekend. This is, <laughs> and nobody really cares about my Miami Marlins baseball. You probably don't. of this listening audience probably doesn't. But I had a great statistic for you. 
Did you know that Giancarlo Stanton leads the Marlins in total home runs over the last seven seasons? So every season since 2017, who has hit the most home runs as a Miami Marlin? The answer is Giancarlo Stanton, who hit 59 during those seven years. The problem is... (laughs) Giancarlo Stanton only played one year with the Marlins since 2017, and he hit 59 that year. So so what I'm saying is this. Nobody that's ever put on a Marlins uniform since 2017 has hit more than 59 home runs total. Second is Brian Anderson. He's at 57, so he might pass Stanton. Wait, is Brian Anderson still on the team? I don't even... I'm not very good with Miami Marlins baseball knowledge. I don't even know if he is. Garrett Cooper, 52. Jesus Aguilar has 45. Jazz Chisholm has 45. I know Jazz Chisholm's still on the team. But it's pretty amazing that (laughs) out of the last seven years, Giancarlo Stanton has the most home runs as a Miami Marlin, yet he was only on the team for one of those seven years. And that was the last year he was in Miami, and he hit 59. Then he signed as a free agent with the Yankees or maybe did he get traded to the Yankees or did he signs a free agent? I can't even remember. I know he signed a big deal with the Yankees, but I can't remember if that was after the trade or he just signed as a free agent in the off season. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple podcasts, rate and review. If you can pass it along to your friends, let them know about the podcast. We're having a lot of fun here. And like I said, if your friends are interested in gambling, stuff like that, I'm going to have a lot of gambling stuff coming up in the next few weeks as we head into football season. So if they're interested, have them take a listen. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.